This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 448, Bricks, Falling, and Cars. Welcome to the first 2024 edition of GamesAtWork.biz. My name is Michael Martin. I'm one of your co-hosts, and I'm joined today by your other co-hosts of GamesAtWork.biz. Mr. Michael Rowe, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. I'm excited to jump right in. And it's the first recording, but we released our first episode on the first. Correct. Yes, but it's the first recording. <laughs> that, was re- that was released before. Yes, yes. And uh, Andy, Happy New Year. How are you? 2024, let's do it. All right. We got a ton of things to cover as we normally do. So let's get straight to it, shall we? In the world of artificial intelligence, which looms large in 2024 as it did in 2023, um, we have a couple stories from Microsoft, the first of which is Copilot is now available as Michael was showing us on Android just in we were doing our pre-production show well, meeting. So cool and, stuff. And it's also it's it's also uh, an iOS version uh, is available on Test Flight this week. Ooh. Um, I signed up it's for not it. on Test Flight. It's on I the App Store. It. Is it on? Yeah. I know I got it. The the link that I No, no, the thing that I signed up for is running Microsoft Windows. Windows. Yes. On test flight. Yeah, that, that's, I signed up for that. I've got, yeah, that I've got Copilot. Thing. The Copilot app's available on iOS and uh, so for the phone yeah, and the yeah, iPad. It as wasn't well. when we first got this link. It was only Android, and then uh, iOS came out like a week later. Uh, so some of these links are maybe a whole two weeks old. Oh my god! Uh, but yeah, it was interesting. Uh, we were talking about before the show um, that uh, that the the one cool thing is you get access to GPT four for free. So you don't have to have a paid account right now, yet so right far. Now. And um, it also, uh, we were saying, you know, ex- tell us what GamesAtWork.biz is, and Andy and I were comparing the fact that we got different answers, even though they were both fairly accurate. One was just more concise than the other. Well, mine I asked directly on ChatGPT's web interface, not via um, Copilot. You asked Copilot, I think. Um, yes. But yeah, we, we got slightly different results. Um, it's Which is expected. Yeah, I think Copilot does some additional stuff around using... Actually, I'm not sure it uses... I think both chat, both it and ChatGPT directly use Bing, but I think they have some additional stuff they've sprinkled on top. Oh, that's what Microsoft claims. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we've got, we've got AI apps everywhere. We're getting AI buttons. Yeah, now that yes. is even more exciting now, isn't it? Is it? The first time a keyboard has been updated <laughs> since <it>? 1994. <laughs> you get a well, button, you get a Windows button and a Copilot button. Well, I mean, so all they've done. Button, but there button. actually used to be an office button there. Well, no, a menu button. It wasn't an office button. It was like just like a hamburger menu, right? So it's where on the right-hand side of the keyboard. On the left-hand side, you have the Windows key. And on the right-hand side, on a Windows 
keyboard, there's typically next to the alt key a little thing which is kind of a rectangle with some lines in it, which is, looks a bit but, like. But a at menu. one time it was an office button. Yeah, so they're they just kind they of did cycling. another button at one point. Yeah, in time. So they're just kind of cycling it across into a a Copilot logo, and they are saying that if you don't have Copilot um, available, then it will launch Windows Search. I think so. It's just another yeah. way of extending the branding, I think, and it also really emphasizes how hard. Microsoft's leaning into Copilot stuff. Well, Windows 11 now has a Copilot This is the year feature. of AI everywhere, right? Yeah, so Windows 11, I just upgraded my Windows uh, laptop for the first time in a year to, to do all its patches because I hadn't switched it on for a while. And that now has Copilot <laughs> as a sidebar, which very much yeah. reminds me of how Cortana used to kind of pop up or be, be available. It is because it, it's more natural language sounding. Uh, it's It's pretty cool like that, but... Beyond that, it hasn't wowed me. I've enjoyed using Copilot with GitHub for prompting for additional suggestions around code improvements and things like that. That's yeah. been quite fun and interesting and useful. But I'm not sure how much I would use the button as I didn't really ever use the Windows menu button that was was there. <laughs> Somebody, though, did post a funny on the internet, uh, which I'll find to add into our show notes. Really? Which was uh, an exclusive look at the uh, the what this button is going to look like. Um, so if you haven't seen it, um, is it clippy with a little coat? Oh, that you looks like got that? it already. Got it in you one. It out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, somebody's somebody's got a, a nice little picture of a clippy clippy picture on the keyboard, which is kind of fun. And of course, people are saying, "Well, I'll just print a sticker, a clippy sticker, to stick on top of it." So, you know, though, requiring a new key on a keyboard or rebranding a key on a keyboard is kind of a thing, right? Especially if yeah. you are a keyboard manufacturer or you are using something with a keyboard, and keyboards show up everywhere. I mean, they show up on televisions, they show up all kinds of places. I've right? suggested. I've suggested. Um, for some swag for an upcoming event, I've suggested a branded key uh, for a mechanical keyboard key with a cherry um, uh, connector. So a nice little key. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So like as a as a premium giveaway oh, from for, drop. for a for a conference. Yeah, like like the drop kind of a thing. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. people do get like mechanical that. keyboards with with switchable uh, layouts. Um, I've got on my my escape key on this particular keyboard I'm using at the moment. Uh, if I can pull it off to show you both. Uh, is a little uh, a little unamused looking face. Uh, that's my my escape <laughs> key, uh, like a, an ASCII art kind of uh, unamused uh, expression. I, so. For my escape key, I want King Arthur and and Robin and his men saying, "Run away, <laughs> run away." <laughs> it all could be done now. Now, before we leave the story, I'm kind of curious as to what you guys both think of the branded term Copilot. Do, do you like it? Do you not like it? Do you think it's descriptive enough? I kind of, Michael, you're ambivalent. Uh, I'm ambivalent because I mean, it is it 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 is an appropriate name in the sense that it is humans augmented with AI. So this is an assistant. It's not doing stuff for you. It's doing stuff with you to make your life easier hence a co-pilot they they do the stuff the pilot doesn't have time to do mm. or doesn't feel as critical but at the same time it's kind of 
does it evoke any any passion in me? Nah. I Andy, think. What about you? I feel like it's almost the best thing that they got from uh, leaning into GitHub uh, because GitHub had come mm-hmm. up with Copilot yeah. before, and then and Microsoft right. sort of borrowed, inherited it from there. Um, I, yeah, I think it feels like it's a co-creation slash assistant type um, term. It's certainly better than ChatGPT. I mean, gosh, why are we even talking? Yeah. Why why is that even a thing in terms of uh, a name? You know, uh, it's only there because uh, they didn't really have any better branding for it. And and GPT is the name of the the model of the, te- um, the technology exactly. So. Yeah. Um, I, I don't mind it from that perspective, and I, I, I did, I did always love Cortana, but that was very tied to the video games and personality of the character yeah. from from the Halo games. Uh, and there are lots of other named things around, right? That that have got human sounding names, and Copilot doesn't sound human in the sense that it's it's not assigned a personality it's assigned a purpose uh, right the purpose is right. being your co-pilot rather than being your friendly cortana or friendly whatever other female sounding human sounding name has been assigned to these types of tools there there's been a lot of um human computer interaction sort of studies done on these sorts of things and and i tend to agree with you andy that the personification humanness uh, of some of the other names is is a nice sidestep here because it allows you to project onto your co-pilot whatever it is that you want mm. um and and it provides i think in that way a, a broader a broader view of the world so I was curious to know what you guys thought of it, and we're probably going to see a whole bunch more, and we're going to see a bunch more named things that sound like a human name or sound like a quasi-human name, I'm sure, as we go well, forward. But I like the branding. And, and, and we didn't have it in the, in the show links, but uh, was it last week or earlier this week? Uh, and maybe we did talk about it a couple of weeks ago, Apple's announcement of the small LLMs to yeah. be put within, within your phone, yeah. as an example, right? Yeah. Uh, and so are they going to name that something apple like applesauce or <laughs> honey crisp? Yeah, pro- 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 probably Fuji. Th- not, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, um, what, what do we say in the show notes? Something like the, uh, not large language model, but the right size language I'd, model or right, something. I'd have right, to, right. I think so, so they're going to have to brand it, right? We'd have to check what the AI wrote for us when, when the show notes were generated, but if <laughs> they're still human crafted at this point in time, friends, but uh, maybe not for much longer. So, so now that you have chat GPT on your iOS device, you could take the uh, transcript of the entire show and throw it in there and say, you know, summarize for the show notes. Yeah. Well, maybe we will use copilot to do that. Let's, let's see what happens. Maybe. Uh, and maybe <laughs> it will be not nearly as in as super as we want. Um, so let's let's move to another kind of hardware that we had in our our, yes. our pre production meeting, and we're back to our friends from Sony, and uh, we can play a little footsie with a uh-huh. trackball uh-huh. <laughs> in order to I see what you did there. Yeah, you like that? Uh, in order to uh, <laughs> figure out where you are in three dimensional space, and for for those who love driving, uh, I could see this is kind of cool. But for those who are 
wanting to be able to manipulate and move around where they are in three dimensions, we're kind of used to a mouse or a handheld device. So what are you thinking about using your feet to move yourself around in a virtual space? I think that it's interesting in the perspective of assistive technology, particularly. So it's easy to look at this and think, well, that's weird. It's different to what we use today. Therefore, I don't like it. Therefore, I'm not going to use it. But um, I can immediately see that not everybody is uh, able in the same way that I am. Therefore, that may be an appropriate tool and technology to enable people to mm. navigate or to access um, technology um, in, a, in a very different interface. However, um, it also reminds me some of the drawings here with the sort of uh, feet in a bowl walking in a, in a space <laughs> that remind me of those kind of uh, large room experiences in a small room, just where you're walking in a ball, ball uh, in, yeah. a, in a, uh, in a yeah. sort of a, a bowl so that you can walk long distances potentially. Um, it's really unclear, as many patent applications are, how this might actually be applied in, in, in real um, terms. This was filed 18 months ago. Um, published just a couple of days ago or a week or so ago. Um, unclear how it's going to be used. I think it's not too unusual, really. I can definitely I know people that are not a big fan of having their feet touched or touching things with their feet other than, you know, their shoes in the ground. So mm -hmm. there, there, there could easily be people that are definitely not keen to interact with things in this manner. It, it's, it seemed like an ant, another way potentially of manipulating the environment. And if you think about someone who is uh, actively driving or flying a plane, you're engaging your hands, your feet, your eyes, ears, everything. So I, I guess I can see where it goes. And I remember the bowl we're talking about here where you mm -hmm. would stand in it and had kind of a ring around you and you would walk in a direction and sort of a multi-directional treadmill. That that was a cool thing too. Yeah. I actually found it really interesting uh, just because I don't have room anywhere in my house to set up a VR environment where I could physically move around a lot. So just being able to shuffle my feet under the desk as a means of motion, right, is a good idea. Or using the trackball and rubbing over them, the giant trackballs, to get some kind of forward motion with each foot I is a way of providing that motion in a 3D world without having to use a joystick and I can use my hands for other interactions. Yeah, similarly, Michael, I don't have a lot of room, a space to um, do uh, room scale or other sort of standing games. I tend to use my VR headset sitting a lot uh, in one spot. So um, that, yeah, I, I have I have less mobility in, in the sense of, of the space I have. The other thing, in fact, I've spotted this week is I was just saying uh, that yesterday, um, somebody, I became aware that somebody has rebuilt the virtual BBC Micro that um, has been available in the web browser into an extended reality environment. And you can use that in the Quest headset, which I tried yesterday. And the idea Ooh. there would be that, well, the, the dream goal there would be that I wouldn't have to use the controllers. I could use hand tracking. I could type on the keyboard. But what I was finding is that even with lighting on in the room, it was after dark. Um, the the headset was complaining that it was too dark for hand tracking. It was very janky. It wasn't working very well, um, huh. and just the, the 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 layout. It was very close up to my chest, almost the keyboard that I, that 
So I ended up typing with the controllers to get higher accuracy because I could hunt and uh, uh, hunt and pack more easily with the controllers, which was really annoying, but uh, it did at least work. Um, yeah, I think we may see more of these kind of niche styles of control and interactive interfaces. I'm really curious to see what they have in mind, if if anything, for deploying the technology. I have to wonder, Andy, that we may see more purpose-built space for this kind of thing as we go into the future. The The pandemic taught us a, a, a lot, and there's been a great resurgence, I would say, in outdoor living spaces as a result of the pandemic for new housing construction. Wouldn't it be interesting to see as we evolve more and more into this virtual space that what otherwise would have been a den in a in a home or or even a dining room a lot of people are eating out even more and more frequently that there will be dedicated space uh that is no longer the, the tv room or something like that but it is the virtual experience room the holodeck the holodeck it's right? the holodeck yeah every house needs a holodeck <laughs> <laughs> a holodeck in every house <laughs> right um, now, if we wanted to travel to said house, you know, like from, you know, our restaurant or coffee shop or place of work or whatever, and we hopped into the car, uh, we might be disappointed if we were greeted with a message like the one from Dan, Dan Liu, uh, that we had from Mastodon here saying that, um, there was an update over the air update that was attempted. It was not successful. Mm. And we now have a bricked vehicle. Um, so part of me is like, okay, this is funny. Uh, and then part of me is like, probably not a joke, actually. There are probably situations where this really occurs, and it is going to be a case of experience for many uh, as we move into more and more over-the-air updates. Oh, well, I looked at the picture, the screenshot, and because it is uh, this big tablet screen uh, interface, I assumed from a distance it was a Tesla, but reading the message, it refers to it's a Ford. Ford customer service. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, terrifying. Terrifying is is to say the least, right? Uh, I, I I I look at these stories, and uh, Michael, to your point, more and more capabilities in automotive is pure software, and the time and money it takes to write effective software that is and to test it basically user proof right user resistant and, and update proof uh is is way more than most companies are willing to pay yeah. or individuals willing to buy it from them it, it's why we have massive cost overruns quote unquote for like government rocket ships that have to have three levels of redundant systems. It's it's why there's actually, I, I saw an article recently that there's a trend starting, and I love this trend, with EVs putting back physical buttons. Yeah, right. Because that's a redundant system, and you may actually not want to take your eyes off the road to use the big touchscreen panel to change the temperature in your car, right? And, a and it could be that one button would fail, but you could replace it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yes. Uh, and so, so this update issue, and and Andy's playing with a physical button now. Um, uh, the <laughs> on a uh, what is it? That Polaroid, Lego Polaroid. Um, uh, these updates are things that should not be able to fail. Uh, uh, 
there's the ideal the idea in security of of fail secure right do you mm. fail and keep the security setting that was there do you fail and in an emergency situation you might fail a security system and unlock all the doors because you have an emergency to get out right but there are design considerations that must take place on mm -hmm. what happens when something fails and throwing up a oops your car is bricked message is not a valid answer yeah and and it, the picture here appears to be the car in a garage yeah right so, so it's, it's yeah. so there, there's at least that they well but you could imagine a situation where you're stranded it's, somewhere it's not ideal and it, and it may not be bricked it says call these people if you read but it does yeah. say tow truck if you go back to the original <laughs> so this was originally on reddit and if you go back to the original reddit thread um it, people point out the same thing the car appears to be in a garage but it appears to be facing forward in the garage and the tow bar on these vehicles is on the front of the vehicle so they would Oops. need to turn it around get it out of the garage to tow it to the dealer uh, um so uh yeah some there's some entertaining comments in there about uh how it's located and how they would might have to the gymnastics they might have to perform to to get the thing towed um but yeah and, and and i also go back to the and sorry to go down this rat hole but the the term bricked Bricked means dead forever. In my understanding of the term bricked, something that's bricked that can be fixed is just temporarily bricked. screwed up. Right. So I don't, know. I don't think in, this car was this this vehicle was bricked. Well, it's inoperable. It's not in a good state. Yeah, it's not like a cricket <laughs> thing or something, right? Um, yeah. All right, so uh, let's stay in the car space for just a moment. And there was an article I found, and, and it elicited some uh, reaction from from both of you two here on on it. Um, the, this article from the Manual, which is uh, a I guess a uh, outlet that likes manual transmissions, my kind of place, uh, was saying that Toyota, a Toyota engineer, developed a fake manual transmission for electric vehicles. And uh, because he was kind of frustrated that it was going the way of um, other extinct things. And there's something to be said for having a clutch. And there's something to be said for shifting and, and being at one with the vehicle as you go. But uh, obviously, this is nothing more than uh, really a game system here. And they actually refer to a yeah. game. Uh, uh, there's been several games, too. Is California Dreaming, I think, is what it was. Uh, oh, yeah. I remember that one. That you could play. Play. Actually, I remember that game. You could play it That's with or without a clutch in the arcade. If yeah. you played it with the clutch, it was a lot more difficult to to do. So, uh, I, I like I like the idea of retaining retaining the notion of a manual transmission in an electric vehicle, which has a continuously variable transmission, not something that requires gear to gear to gear, as a way of having another way of interacting and controlling the vehicle, maybe a little more precisely versus go or do not go. I, I loved driving a clutch, but in an EV, there is no need for an, a clutch. Yeah. Exactly, and what he does is 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 a total waste. But, now, if you could control things, that's different. But this is this but, is truly a game. But muscle memory is a remarkable, strange thing because I drove for ninety minutes this afternoon to within a mile of home and was held at some lights 
uh, and then for so no good reason at all, put my left hand down, uh, being in the right hand side vehicle, uh, to, <laughs> to shift gear and Ship. didn't need to do that because there was no gear stick. So, um, yeah, it's, it's weird. I've been driving the electric for many years now or several years now, and it still, uh, comes back to me that there's a phantom gear stick. <laughs> now, um, talking about bricking, uh, we've got a couple of fun articles that have uh, swept the internets and uh, major news outlets, including such as the New York freaking Times, I think I saw it referred to yeah. as one place, um, about... This is actually a listener link sent to us yeah. earlier this week. Uh, so, so <laughs> yeah, so it, it hit everywhere. Um Tetris has uh, what they called a kill screen, an end game, where not only did you get past the nine 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 nine, you know, score, there were no more bricks that were going to drop at all. It was the end of the code, and th- there was there's been a number of articles around this. Uh, there there's some that say why why is it you know that this has captured everybody's attention. Um, I think the one postulate there was it's captured everyone's attention because it's showing that a human and a kid is able to beat an AI. And isn't that a nice thing to remember that such a thing well, is possible? Well, achieve what an AI achieved. You know, it's, <laughs> Don't it's actually amazing how short a game it is in mm. terms of yeah. timing. 40 minutes. 40 minutes to, yeah. to, to do it. Um, yeah, um, amazing. But uh, I joked with you both that I thought it was probably the the, the child here is probably an android uh, in disguise. So <laughs> yeah, but this is well, also the guy who interviews him in the one video could be. <laughs> the, the the other thing is that this is a um, a very specific version of the game as well. This is on the on the original NES, yes. the Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, so yeah. It's, it's it is interesting. It's fun to watch the fact that uh, this happens when you get to get to that a certain and, point in the game, and how fast you have to be able to move. I mean, the, the, these techniques of how to use the controller yes. and rapidly switch things around. Yeah. Is so the R's, the R's story here has a um, very long article covering all these different techniques for using the NES controller and uh, what do they call it, rolling or something like that, or hypertaps, yeah, hypertaps to, to rolling yeah. on the D pad and things. Crazy, crazy stuff. I used to play this on the Game Boy. That was that was my Tetris environment with uh, its little eight bit tinny music. I kind of missed that. Um, we talked, we talked, you talked. I I just did show notes uh, last week quite a lot about role playing games, and in the slash film article, uh, we have this cool story here that one of you found about Star Wars owing a lot to the Star Wars role-playing game that I have to admit I didn't, wasn't even aware of at all uh, okay. that this existed. Oh, I think I was aware of it. I wasn't yeah. aware of the content of it. I think I was aware of its existence. Um, I was yeah. certainly aware of the novels, so the sure. uh, the Thrawn and the Darth Bane and all those kind of things uh, that, are, that are also referenced. I have them on the shelf right there. That <laughs> um, I wasn't familiar with. For example, and to be fair, at the moment, I haven't still caught up on Andor or Ahsoka, but um, I wasn't familiar with some of the uh, stuff that's referenced in this particular article about how it was essentially lifted directly from that original RPG source book from the, the 1980s. Yeah, yeah, I, I do remember the game when it came out. Uh, 
I I was heavy into my D and D phase at that point in time. So D and D, and the other game I played a lot was Traveler, which was kind of a space type game, uh, but didn't have the the time or the finances at the time to get another game going. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I having read most of the books that they reference in here, I I was not aware that Heir to the Empire was based off of getting copies of the game. And and learning the 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 whole world building that they uh, mm. had done in the game environment, which is just very cool. So I thought this article was really really neat when I saw it, and it was like kind of puts things into perspective, especially after as we talked about last week the the whole uh, going back and dipping into the AD and D series. Yeah, that that was really cool to listen to, guys. I'm I'm glad you did it, and it was it was a lot of fun. So uh, one of the other things you did touch on last week, and and we can certainly credit because uh, that's what we're going to do. Uh, the Dave the Diver success due to its mentions repeatedly here on the Games at Work Biz oh, yeah. podcast. Uh, and Andy, I think you noted that there was over three three million copies sold worldwide. Yeah, it's a good game. I've said many times. I think when yep. I first referred to it, in fact, I'm pretty sure that if we were to go back in the archives. Uh, I commented that it is a bit confusing because there's a jumble of game styles or mini game styles inside it. So there's the restaurant serving bit and there's the exploration bit and then there's the card game bit and then there's the racing seahorses bit and they all have these different... And then the the whole thing is uh, got these kind of... this whole collector element to it where you're trying to complete your... almost your Pokemon sets of different things at different points in the game. So um, it is a bit of a, a patchwork of, of things, but um, it, it fits together somehow. They, 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 they've made it work. It's fun. So oh, cool. And, glad and to I just be... saw here it's available on Switch too. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. You. Um, it's uh, multi-platform. It's got, yeah. it's got DLC now to crossovers with other games. And it's just beautiful and silly and fun. And I, I mean, not beautiful in that it's like the game I referred to last week, Blanc, which is kind of this visual, beautiful visual animation. It's, it's got this very sort of pixelated style, but there's some, there are some moments of, of, of awe and wonder and, and it's done nicely. It's done really well. Nice. Very, very I, cool. I, I still have it on the list to check out. Yeah, well, I, I, now I do too because I, I didn't realize it was on Switch, so that's going to be an extra plus one. But now, you also, be you, you, also in one. you also didn't realize that Steam was available on PC and Mac, and you thought it was a, a confined to the Steam Deck because, and I quote, "I got my Wii, and I'm happy with that. <laughs> that's all I need. That's all I need." <laughs> so, <laughs> throwing one of my co-hosts under the bus here. There, there you go. There you go. Wow. There's a lot of buses that go by this show. <laughs> There's yeah, one or two. So, so the last one that we've got for this episode deals with Chromebooks. Uh, and there's a fun article from the register that goes into detail about the infinite repairability uh, apparently of, of Chromebooks. And, and I could say from, from our own personal experience, uh, when uh, my kids had Chromebooks issued to them as part of their school experiences, uh, I, I remember a time where one of my kids, not to throw any one of them in particular under the bus, dropped the Chromebook down a flight of stairs and it was fine. 
it was actually fine, which is ridiculous. Um, Do you remember? There's a lot more to this. There was an ad for the Chromebooks early in the existence of Chromebooks where there was a guy in a room and the computer kept having things happen to it and somebody just kept coming in and handing him a new laptop. Um, I can't remember. (laughs) I'm going to have to go searching for that video video now Um, because that was the whole premise, right? It's cloud-based stuff, so you can carry on where you left off and if something goes wrong, you just get a new one and you're good to go. But the actual other point here is that if you look at Linux uh, as an operating system, it was designed to run on PC-style hardware 30 years ago and is still going strong and, and, and has always sort of gone, had a lowest common denominator element to it, although that's gradually the lowest part of that denominator has crept upwards from the, you know, the 386 upwards to the, at least I think the 586 these days, but either way, um, yeah, you, you've, you've got, once you've got a, a core set of hardware um, specifications and everything's relatively solid state and everything's relatively rugged because your target market is school children and or Kids. people that, you know, just need something reliable to get the basics done, then mm-hmm. yeah, you could you could have that that long lifespan. I remember in my previous lives when we've needed when we needed to travel to places where it was determined that we shouldn't be taking uh, sensitive corporate information, then we'd be given a Chromebook to to take with us because it would let us access and do the basics and no more. Uh, put us put and no less. more risk, right? Exactly, and nothing stored locally. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Excellent, excellent. Well, folks, I, that gets us to the end of time for today's show. I, we covered a lot of territory as we normally do. We span uh, cars and technology and AI and and reusable Chromebooks and throwing co-hosts under various buses. It was a good show, I would say. And we're starting 2024 off with a bang. So. If you, our listening audience, would do be us so kind, be so kind to us as to rate us and to give us some feedback or shoot a link our way, like we've had a couple of listener links this time, we would be delighted to bring them back forward on another edition of gamesatwork.biz here in January and February and on in through the rest of the year. You can find us on the internets at gamesatwork.biz as well as in a multitude of Fediverse enabled spaces. So until next week or next time, whenever you're listening in, uh, we remain gamesatwork.biz. Thanks, y'all. See ya. See ya. You've been listening to gamesatwork.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at gamesatwork underscore biz or at our website at gamesatwork.biz. Gamesatwork.biz.